Welcome to the CoVenture Podcast. We sit down with leaders, experts, and innovators in Colorado's Roaring Fork Valley and beyond to explore how to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems in rural communities. From tactical solutions to new ways of thinking, we're here to find out what it looks like to succeed together. Thanks for joining us. This episode is part of our Under the Hood series, created in partnership with Slifer Smith and Frampton. Hey, everybody out there, podcast land. Uh, thanks. Welcome back to the Slifer Smith and Frampton co-venture podcast. Uh, my name is Mike Mercatoris, and I'm the founder of the Slifer Smith and Frampton commercial and entrepreneurial division at our real estate company. Um, just a quick little housekeeping, a little bit of information on us. We founded this commercial and entrepreneurial division with the goal of really helping entrepreneurs in our area, whoever that is, whether it's investors, whether it's landlords, whether it's business owners, whether it's startups, whether it's tenants, you know, these are all entrepreneurs in this commercial entrepreneurial ecosystem. And our goal is to really work with all these parties to help bring them together to help them understand all sides of, of the transaction and really help put together transactions that are going to be an asset and a, a benefit to our local communities. Um, you know, in order to do that, we actually, we, we do things like this and we reach out and we engage people um, that are part of this process. Um, today, I have Dave Portman. Say hi, Dave. Hi, all. Good to be here today. So Dave is actually the president of First Bank in the Roaring Fork Valley here and a returning champion, has been on the podcast before. We always seem to go to, back to Dave because he's in the middle of everything and, and he's just a great conversation and has a, a real great finger on the pulse of what's happening in our valley. Um, we also have Amber Cope. Say hi, Amber. Hello, everybody. And Amber is the senior retail management for First Bank. And now, Amber, is that within the Roaring Fork Valley or is that a, a broader title? It is within the Roaring Fork Valley. Okay. That's awesome. And, and so, you know, I wanted to get into it a little, little bit today, guys. Uh, you know, the, the conversations over the next couple podcasts that we're having are, are to talk about workforce. You know, that is absolutely 100% the buzzword. You know, it is one of our, you know, most critical um challenges right now in our valley you know it's all over the papers i don't care if you're looking from grand junction to you know aspen the rifle you know it's right there on the front page um so i'm excited to get into that you know not only because you know you guys do things you know in the banking community like you know business loans and mortgages and sba financing and and stuff like that that that, that is kind of like right in the middle of that whole workforce scenario but the other side of that too is you guys are, you're regional. You're you're a large employer, um, you know, in, in our region. How many, Dave? Do you know off the top of your head? I mean, how many employees are there in the the First Bank ecosystem? Yeah, we've got. I'm going to say plus or minus three thousand in our oh. in our, which is th you know throughout the state of Colorado, and you know we're down in Phoenix and Scottsdale and Arizona and Palm Desert, California. Um, so it'd be the, it'd be the, the, about 3000 throughout the footprints. Wow. Wow. See, that's crazy. 
Um, so yeah, that's, I am excited to have you guys here to talk about that, you know, from both sides of the coin, um, what you're seeing happening out there in the workforce, the business, the building, the housing, everything. Um, and you know, all the way to the ground level and how things are happening with you guys. Um, you know, one of the, the other things that's really cool about, uh, banking, you know, well, or about first bank, you know, about the banking industry and our value is that, you know, you, you guys are one of those. Uh, businesses, the sectors in our valley where you can, you can grow within it. You have everything from the entry level position all the way up to like the C-suite executives. Um, and, and, and it was in our little pre-interview, we talked about this a little bit and we wanted to pick Amber's brain on this a little bit because she's actually kind of a, you know, a prime example of how this happens within your bank and within the banking industry. So Amber, why don't you give a little introduction on on you're down in the Carbondale area and give us a little intro on how you got here and and uh where you are now <laughs> yeah so I came um from Morrison Colorado in 2013 um and I actually started with First Bank in 2014 so I'm approaching my eighth year here um What's great about First Bank is I did, I started as a teller um, and I kind of just kind of worked my way up. I did, you know, bookkeeping. I did a little bit of the loan side of things, not just kind of the back end loan side of things. I went into the supervisor position, management, and now retail manager. And this July, I will be entering my third year in my current position. As, as the retail manager. Correct. So what, ex what exactly is that title? What is what is retail manager? Um, it kind of encompasses a lot of different things. I, <laughs> I definitely see our management group, of course, as, you know, a, a developer and, and leadership and whatnot. But I also play a big role in, you know, developing new locations and making sure that we're staying competitive in our hiring strategies and, you know, always taking a look at our current roles and making sure that we are offering the best to our employees and getting their feedback. Um, but yeah, just retail operations in general, I kind of oversee. Wow, that's a big responsibility because you guys are growing like crazy. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, Dave, I let's before we get into the discussion on workforce, let, let's talk a little bit about First Bank. Um, you guys, I we were saying in the pre-interview that you're coming up on your 10th year here in our Valley fourth location, which is in the Willits area. And it actually, this is kind of a personal story, but it really struck me the other day I was driving home and uh, you know, obviously we're on highway 82. I live right there in, uh, in Willits. And I looked over and, and my son, your, your new location caught both of our eyes. I mean, you can't miss it. It's like, it's right there on the highway. It's bright orange. And then like right inside the windows, there's a, the, the logo, the slogan that says banking for good. And I, that actually really hit me because especially with all the things that are happening right now, you know, it's the focus on community, the focus on, you know, how we're taking care of these communities that we, we live and work and operate in um, with all the discussion of people moving from out of state, you know, doing a work from home, is that moving people out, this and that, like banking for good just, just really hit me. Can you, uh, can you expand on that and kind of give us what is, what is banking for good? Yeah, well, let me, um, if I could, I would, I would start with this and, and, you know, just, just share as a background that, you know, First Bank's been a, a privately held community bank in the state of Colorado for about 60 years. 
um, including mountain communities for, for 55 of those. Um, and of course, we're excited to celebrate our 10 year anniversary in the Roaring Fork Valley uh, here in October right. of this year. Um, just wild to have been a part of this community for that long. And um, we, we know there are so many different communities within the valley. And so um, we really are excited to enter that basalt community truly with a physical location and be a part of that community. And um, in addition to Glenwood, Carbondale and, and Aspen right now. So where um, was the, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but where was the first Roaring Fork Valley location? The fir first location was in Glenwood Springs, um, okay. right, right there just next to Taco Bell. And, and then a year later, we opened in Aspen, um, Carbondale in 2019, and, and now here, Basalt this year. Yeah, but, uh, all great high traffic locations, I can vouch. If you're, if you're yeah. driving around in these towns, you, you're not missing First Bank. <laughs> yeah, and we love that that orange pops, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, banking for good for for us—that's our—that is our mission statement, and and really, what it means is just doing what's right by our customers, our communities, and our employees. So, um, you know, when you break that down just a little bit, you know, customers—we value everyone the same, whether it's. A uh, hundred dollar depositor, a million dollar deposit. Everybody's important. Everybody has different needs. We like to understand our unique circumstances, um, understanding the, the services that folks want. It's definitely more of a digital banking trend than an in-person banking trend. Right. Um, being a financial resource instead of just a tra transaction processor. Um, so all of that, all of that kind of plays in there. Um, you know, community is pretty relatively self-explanatory, but we're um, really philanthropic financially. All of our um, management team serves on nonprofit boards and committees. Um, we offer a volunteer time off program so our folks can all spend 16 hours of paid time on the clock donating their time to organizations they're passionate about um, okay. and, and volunteer efforts. So that one that one's pretty self-explanatory. And then um, employees, I think maybe I can pump that one because I'm guessing in a labor <laughs> short might we might dig into that a little bit more, but we do pride ourselves on treating our, our employees as family and caring about the humans that work here. And no, we're nothing without the, the people on the team. So um, that's, uh, that's a little bit about banking, banking for good from my perspective. I love it. Uh, Amber, does that seem to translate? You know, this is uh, no pressure. Does that translate? It's not just lip service? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I always say that I've never felt more appreciated at a company than I have at First Bank. So I could definitely attest to the employee side of things. And then the community aspect as well. When I moved up here, you know, I wasn't as involved in the community as I should have been living in a place like this. But ever since I started First Bank, I have learned so much. And, and it really is, you know, heartwarming to kind of be a part of something that encourages you to go out and do things for your community. So I will des definitely say yes, that we, we live up to our mission statement. That's awesome. I love it. You guys are, you know, you're doing good things. I can vouch personally, you know, we've done some, some deals with you guys that have been, you know, difficult to get through and, you know, you guys backing the local entrepreneurs and the local investors and, you know, making sure that we're all staying competitive to, you know, uh, to help with all the influx of what we're having right now. So, you know, we really do appreciate it. Um, so Amber, let's, let's talk a little bit about that uh, in the sense of, 
you know, when you, you moved up here, um, and, and what brought you up here? Cause it was, we were talking in the pre-interview that you actually moved up here and then became uh, part of the, the first bank family. Yeah, I, uh, my husband actually has worked in Aspen for, it was nine years before we actually moved up here and he commuted on the weekends back home. Yeah. So, you know, it was time, it was time to get a lot closer to the Valley, um, to be able for him to kind of continue with, he has his own company now. Um, so that's what brought us up here. And I was actually doing cosmetology when I, when I moved up here, um, but was looking for something different, a little bit more, um, I don't know, not just the same thing every day, something a little bit more exciting. And that's what kind of brought me to First Bank. I have banked with First Bank forever, literally never had a bank account elsewhere. Um, So it was just kind of natural for me to kind of think of First Bank. You know, I walked in there and they treated me with respect. They knew my name. They knew my story. And that's what kind of brought me here. That's awesome. And I imagine in, in a high touch business, especially like cosmetology, um, you know, it kind of translated a little bit. You, like you said, you started out, you were a teller, um, you know, that's, that's forward facing You're you couldn't get any closer to the customers. Um, and, and then, you know, now you're in, in the management side, do you feel that, uh, you feel that you were attracted to banking because of, because of that? Yeah, definitely the advancement opportunities for sure. I've always enjoyed developing people. Um, so that was really one of my goals, I guess, when I started was not only to learn the ins and outs of banking, but also kind of learn some some development skills and kind of help lead and develop others as well. Absolutely. Well, you guys, uh, you know, that kind of brings us back to, uh, you know, let's talk about it a little bit in the sense of, you know, one of the things we talk, we've been talking about in different groups and different discussions is, is, um, resiliency and sustainability and building careers where, you know, you can live here and you can have a family and, you know, um, you can make a life of it. I, let's, you know, w- within First Bank, um, Teller, is Teller the en- usual entry level position? So here in the Roaring Fork Valley, we have a personal banker model. Um, so all of our entry level positions start at personal bankers, which do tellering as well as the new new account side of things. Um, okay. And that, you know, it gives you definitely a, a lot more accountability in the position itself to just kind of know the ins and outs of all of our products and solutions for our customers um, and be able to actually follow through on the transaction side of that. So. Our entry level is a personal banker representative. Okay. I like that title. It kind of, and it puts the, the personal touch on it. Yeah. You know, it's a, I, it, within titles like that, you have to have that to remind it. So, you know, we're here, we're interacting with people, you know? Yeah. So, so you started as a tower and then um, eventually you moved. What was, the, what was the next, you know, step for you? Um, For me, it was bookkeeping, um, being able to kind of do the bookkeeping side for the entire Roaring Fork market is what I did. Um, So I did that for, I think, a couple of years. Wow. Yes. Well, I know from running a couple small businesses myself, um, you know, there's some rounding up and rounding downs in our stuff. (laughs) We're not hunting for that quarter. So, I mean, like bookkeeping for the whole Roaring Fork Valley, that seems like a lot of pressure. 
it was fun. I, really? you know, it was, yeah, it was fun. So I, I picture your, you a little bit, uh, like you went from teller. Now you're in the back of the house, right? Did you kind of get an itch where you're like, okay, I got to get out there and interact, <laughs> make, you know, with the people press the flesh. And I think maybe 20% of my time is kind of away and not intermingling with everybody, but I do spend a lot of my time, even up on the teller line, helping with transactions when we're slow. I very much am immersed in all areas still, and I prefer it that way because I can definitely see how everybody interacts with each other and the customers. Right. That's awesome. So workforce. So you're you're a good example. You're you you know you're nine years in, you're in the management position. Um, one of the things that you know we talk about is the sustainability of our our management positions being able to find housing, to be able to find places to live, to be able to you know create a life you know in this valley. And you know, Dave, maybe you can you can lean on this a little bit. Um, in the real estate world, we've been seeing a lot of cash transactions. You know, we've been seeing people that are, uh, you know, either coming from out of state or, you know, whatever. I mean, in the, the prime example is in the Aspen market where they put that moratorium on um, new builds and, and any, you know, remodels or construction. And one of the things they talked about was we're doing this because of, you know, workforce housing and this and that, and how we're being squeezed. Now, Aspen is an extreme example, but the reality is, is that we've seen this happening in our neighborhoods in, you know, up, up, creeping down the valley. We're seeing second homeowners, which we love. We're seeing LLCs, you know, buying places, you know, for a VRBO scenario, which is not necessarily a neighborhood scenario, but more of a you know, investment property. Um, what what are you seeing uh, in the trend wise? Like, are is is development is it on the horizon? Are you seeing developers coming in and saying we want to focus on this workforce housing thing? Mike, that's a it's a good question. You know, I I think there's no there's no silver bullet out there, right, to solve this this housing pro housing challenge in the, sure. uh, in the Valley. Right. So there, there's not, there's no easy solution. Um, you know, I think we see, we all see, um, a number of the developments down, you know, in the pipeline, whether it's the, the land city of Aspen purchased for affordable housing or, um, some of the tree farm parcels, um, that have a few, you know, workforce deed restricted units. Um, but maybe not as many as some, some would love to see. Um, and, and other projects throughout the valley. You know, Habitat's got a parcel and rifle that they're going to develop a number, number of homes on. I think there are some things, projects um, in the pipeline in Newcastle. So there's stuff, there are projects, but, um, you know, I don't know that it's a, a solution to, you know, at the end of the day. Um, affordability is a challenge. It's harder and harder for local workforce to find housing. You know, in, in reality, we see most of, many of our employees live between Newcastle and uh, Silt and Rifle, um, especially if they're working down, you know, down Valley in Glenwood or Carbondale. Um, and that's where they're buying, that's where they're buying properties so they can, you know, make a, make a life here in the Valley. Um, right. 
you know, I, I, we do see whether it's our clients or just out in the community, there are employers that are, are looking at, at owning um, residential real estate for the purpose of providing employee housing. Um, so I think we're seeing more of that today than, than we did five years ago. And um, I think that's a, that's a great thing if, if a business is in the position to be able to do that and certainly helps with, with retention. But yeah, there's, there's, there's no easy answer as the price points of real estate and, and, and rent even um, you know, tick up a bit um, here over the last year or so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we've actually, you mentioned the, <clears throat> you know, larger employers looking to purchase um, properties to help with the housing. Um, you know, the, the discussion is, is happening, you know, all over the Valley. Um, are you seeing, are those employers, you know, some of your business clients, are they, are they talking to you about, you know, how to do that? Because they aren't developers, you know, what's the strategy there? What are you seeing where these employers are going, oh my gosh, I got to find housing, you know, and it's not necessarily, you can go out to the open market because stuff is getting snatched up so fast. Um, what are, what are they, what kind of strategies are they talking about with you guys to, to find those new places? Well, that, you know, I guess that's it. I, I, I don't know that I would say that I've, we've talked to small businesses that are, that have been out there looking for parcels to develop, you know, 10 to 12 units to house their staff, but they are, have, we have talked to a number of folks that are looking to purchase one, two, three units here or there as they come up. Um, and then, and then lease those back to their, back to their employees. Um, I think that's a bigger, you know, that'd be a, that's a bigger solution. They get business collaborating and, and really working on multi-density type, type uh, housing. We do hear a lot of, um, you know, developers that are building uh, multifamily projects around the Valley that are master leasing um, some mm -hmm. of their units, some of, some of their units, whether it's to Skiko or or the hospital, or you know, you may just name the larger employers that, that are looking for beds for their staff, um, you know, ma or master leasing units for their employees, just to control inventory in some cases. Um, so you do you do hear hear a bit about a bit of that in the valley, um, but yeah, as far as as far as actually large scale development that's run by business owners. You know, you wonder if that's the right approach, um, since there is an expertise to development, right, and a, a skill set that's important and relationships and construction. So something to consider, but um, probably a number of variables that go into that. Yeah, and it's interesting because we have the model, you know, um, I was in Snowmass. That's where I started my tour of duty when I moved out here. And uh, my uncle was on the town council. And, and during that time, they, they did the city build a lot of employee housing, whether it's supported by, you know, development, real estate transfer tax, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that now people are pushing a little bit more um, for the, you know, the businesses, the corporations, the employers to, to come up with the solutions. You know, at least that's, that's kind of what we're seeing down Valley, not as much leaning on the, the communities to say, you need to build this and, and figure out how to provide this. Um, so I think that's a little shift. That's probably not a, not a bad thing. I think, yeah, I'd say, I mean, this is, this is anecdotal, but it, it feels like in the small business community of, of which you're, you're a part of, um, 
the uh, I think business owners are just I think they're at the point that they're, they're maybe looking to control their own destiny right now instead of relying. Although they'd love the municipal support and, and sure. still, I think we still all advocate for public-private partnerships and all stakeholders to be involved. But um, you know, to the extent business owners can control their own destiny, keep their keep doors open because we have enough employees, you know, serving our clients and things like that. Um, it feels like that's. Um, contributing a bit to that paradigm shift. Yeah. So Amber, is this, is this squeeze that's happening a little bit? Um, is this making it harder? Kind of give us a little perspective on you obviously do a lot of the, the hiring and the training and the, you know, um, for the, for the regional area, is this putting a squeeze on and making your job harder? We've been pretty blessed in the Roaring Fork Valley to have a high retention rate, um, but it doesn't mean that we're not consistently trying to hire positions. Um, I think I think it's all about staying competitive and really just seeing what our comp- competition is doing and offering as for hiring. Um, we definitely see, you know, applications coming in. So I wouldn't say that this has really squeezed it too much. I think when we're looking at entry level, it's it's a little bit different too, because those are the individuals that are maybe living in Rifle, Newcastle, still areas versus here actually in the Valley. Um, so I think it's just a little different depending on what the needs are. Trend we're seeing where people are, you know, they're, really focused on call it retention, call it growing from within, call it, you know, what you want. But we're seeing that that next generation of uh, people growing up in this valley, wanting to stay in this valley, you know, finding jobs, finding career paths in this valley. And are you seeing, I, I assume you're seeing that and that you said you're not having as much of a squeeze as maybe some of the other industries out there. Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly that. Um, that we maybe we're not seeing as much as a squeeze right now because we do have a lot of available opportunities to promote from within, um, and kind of make sure that they have the the option to try different things within the company. Um, we our retention rate, like I mentioned, we've been very blessed that it's high. And a lot of our current employees have been with First Bank for several years and all have really started as tellers or personal bankers and kind of worked their way up even to management. So it is really awesome that we get to keep those individuals and continue to develop them into an actual life, a possibility of a lifelong career versus what they might have thought was just really that entry level position. Yeah, like a like a second job or, you know, some people would Back in my younger days, when I was in the in the restaurant business full time, you know, we we had a lot of people that were maybe bank tellers during the day, and you know, honestly, we're servers and bartenders and whatnot at night. So, you know, it's it says something about you guys. It says something about First Bank um, and your culture that 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 people are staying with you for multiple years and they're they want to take that growth path. Um, so, Dave, I, I assume that's you know intentional because you guys. You mentioned like kind of at the at the beginning of it, you you mentioned you guys are privately held um, as opposed to, you know, what would be an example of a, a non-privately held regional bank? Is there such thing or? 
Oh, I mean, well, I mean, you don't have to use names. <laughs> yeah, like, like the the clear example. The, the clear examples are obviously like the large financial institutions, like the Wells Fargo's, Chase, U.S. banks. You know, obviously large institutions. You can find their stock traded on the New York Stock Exchange and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, from regional and you know smaller community banks, you can you find all different kinds of ownership structures. I mean, you can be privately held, public shares, a hybrid of all of that stuff. And we have all of those compositions in the in the valley. Um, you know, I would just just to piggyback on the you know on the the conversation about retention. You know, you know, I would I would just say this, and I kind of go back to this. There's a quote I read almost every morning when I come into work and it was somebody I respect um, that's in the HR world said, um, said something, it just said, helping your employees on a daily basis get out as much as they're putting into your company is one of the keys to retention. And so, you know, for us, um, you know, our, one of, some of our philosophies obviously are, we do pro promote within. So there's two mm -hmm. starting career tracks, right? And you advance in your careers. But, but part of that is the onus on us then to develop, challenge, educate, create new opportunities for folks on our team, right? That's a, that's a responsibility. It's not, that's not really on our employees. That's on us as leadership to make sure those opportunities prevent themselves. And then pay fair, help, help with um, education costs if somebody wants to go to CMC and continue their education. Um, health and wellness reimbursements, um, leadership and, and uh, management training. You know, so we, we develop as leaders, um, all of that kind of stuff, fair PTO, yeah. um, 401k and employee stock ownership contributions. We look at it like a small business and everybody has a vested interest in um, the success of our small business, which at the end of the day is taking care of our customers, right? So, right. but we want our employees to feel like they're part of our family and we're in something bigger together, which is doing good in our community, taking care of people and the rest follows, right? The sure. whole, like, making money and like market share and all that stuff are byproducts of doing business the right way and taking care of people. And that is our philosophy. And in 10 years, it's worked really, yeah. really well. So, um, and see, you know, company wide, that's not just unique to us in the Valley. Well, and those are those are signatures of you know well run, well managed, uh, good cultures. You know, in in growth companies. I mean, you know, you guys are you mentioned it, Dave, and I assume I, I may be putting words in your mouth, but your growth has come not just be like for the intention of profits. So of course, we're all in the business to make profit, you know, and and take care of our people, you know, do raises, you know, all those things. But the reality is, is that like your growth seems to be coming from challenging your people, you know, like you get people like you, for instance, you moved up here to, to open this region, you know, Amber, you, it, within eight years, you've, you've gone up the ladder. I'm sure Dave's going, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do next to keep Amber challenged and moving? And is she going to take my job? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and it, it'd be fun for you to talk to, folks, you know, at different levels within the company. But I, I do think, um, and this is for any business, um, we're um, identifying products and services for different um, customer bases is important. And I think it's refreshing to be able to talk about things with people 
that they need and they care about and not things that you need to give them to grow your business, right? The business right. growth comes from setting the right people up with the right stuff um, and then the rest follows. And so, um, you you know, it's less pressure and more doing the right thing and, and, and truly taking care of your clients. Um, so I, I, I'd like to think that's part of what plays into that, um, that success and the retention and job satisfaction and, and that Absolutely. Kind of some of the other things we talked about. Well, and especially, you know, statistics show that the next generation is, that's what they're looking for. You know, job satisfaction, challenges, growth, you know, the ability to grow. Um, so that, that transitions us a little bit to, um, you know, obviously we went through COVID, you know, we did the work from home. Um, we, you know, you guys, I went through your experiences, you know, whether it was shut down, whether it was this, you know, you had retail spaces, you know, whether, I don't know if they were completely sitting empty ever, you know, but talk to me a little bit about how things have changed for you now, like, um, and what the future looks like in the sense of, are you shifting to more digital? You know, how do you keep that high touch uh, community relationship um, connection you know, if digital is kind of moving into your business plan a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think that digital is moving into the business plan a little bit more, but that's because we want to get our tools and resources into our customers' hands mm -hmm. and not necessarily because we don't have the retail space for them to walk into or the people to support that or anything like that. I just think it's purely focused on you know, making sure that they can bank at their own convenience right. um, and not necessarily needing to travel to do their banking needs. Um, but as for work from home, I mean, not all positions support the ability to do that. Um, mm -hmm. With banking specifically, a lot of things do happen face to face. Um, and to really, truly understand our customers' needs, I think that that's really where we, we can connect the dots. So yes, we do have a few positions that are work from home flexible, um, but we still do require them to come into a location a few days a week just to get that one team collaboration and two face-to-face -face interactions with our customers um, and self-development and team development, things that you would, it's, it's hard to do um, remote. Absolutely. The, that human connection, not just with the customers, but also with your your team, you know, being face-to-face, yeah. building that culture, you know, um, those can be difficult. Are, are you seeing, is there a, is there a generational thing? Like, uh, you know, COVID kind of pushed everybody to, even in the restaurants, you know, we're at, at our one restaurant, for example, we, we're still at 60% capacity in the dining room because, well, one, we have, you know, challenge finding team to, you know, serve everybody. But, but the other thing too, is that we, we've noticed that we've been able to shrink the dining room, do the takeout, do the delivery, uh, provide better service, focus service to the people who are in the dining room um, and make those customers extra happy. And, and it's actually been in, um, I don't know, it, it's been a good thing in that sense, not more with less necessarily, but being ultra focused on when the customer is with us, you know, if that makes sense. Um, whereas, you know, takeout and delivery can be a little bit, you know, transactional and not as, you know, we don't get to, we don't get to engage with them as much, which we love that engagement in the restaurant industry. 
Um, are you seeing that in a generational area or your younger customers? Are they, are they leaning one way or the other or your older customers leaning one way or the other, you know, not to, not to divide anybody, just put just any trends out there that you see. I think we've always kind of had a trend um, generational wise of who prefers to come into a location versus who prefers to do something digitally. Um, but really throughout any generation, there are those individuals that do prefer the one-on-one -on -one attention mm -hmm. um, or really stepping into a branch so I can physically help you with something versus doing it over the phone. So I don't know if I've seen a huge difference um, since COVID of that really changing. There's definitely still a lot of foot traffic on a day-to-day -day basis inside the locations, uh, maybe not as much as pre-COVID, but it's definitely still a need. I think everybody really does want that one-on-one -on -one attention. Yeah, my, Mike, I would, ju I would just add, you know, my, my observation is, you know, in, in the banking industry, Lob, lobby traffic, the number of people in lobby bank lobbies across the country is going to likely continue to decline, right? The stuff that you can do digitally is depositing a, a check and, you know, ba those basic transactional things like you mentioned. Um, what we haven't seen change all that much is like the percentage of our new accounts that we open in the branch relative to like an online channel has remained relatively flat for the last five to seven years, which is, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, you know, obviously like the more complexity you get, there's more of a, um, a value placed on that in-person interaction. So, so any small business transaction, a lot of times mortgage lending, especially with first time home buyers, um, we meet in person a fair amount less, you know, less with our second homeowners that, um, you know, that are maybe a little more experienced in that field, but um, identifying those places where you could really be a value add instead of a mm -hmm. transaction processor, like that is definitely where the, the banking industry is going as a whole. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, I, I would imagine that, you know, and again, it comes back to community, comes back to, you know, taking care of your workforce and this and that, but banking will always be that you know the center center of the community everything kind of runs through through the banks you know one way or the other at, at some point um you know dave on the you know when we talk about the the you know you guys have a strong regional presence you're a private bank um you are you know started in denver correct yeah started in yeah west at lakewood in west denver and so you are all over colorado where 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 do you where do you have first bank locations right now? You know, re really, really, our our locations are Roaring Fork Valley and East. Um, okay. We do, um, you know, we do serve Grand Junction for sure, um, and and we consider our trade area for the Roaring Fork Valley to encompass Aspen to Parachute. So we are really active in the. Uh, you know, Newcastle and rifle communities and mm -hmm. always evaluating the, you know, whether a physical branch location presence makes sense or not, but that, that doesn't change whether we, um, you know, our interest in, in serving those communities. Are you seeing pressure from uh, the chases, the, um, you know, outside banks? We, we've always been in, in our valley, we've always been a little bit insulated from, 
you know, you can take Aspen, for example, there are no fast food restaurants. There was McDonald's when I moved out here and, you know, it's gone now. And that's probably because people like to support their local, you know, their community members, their local businesses, this and that. Are you starting to see some pressure though from, from those guys? Are they poking around here in the Valley? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, Wells, Wells Fargo has been here for forever. Um, You know, Chase built a a brand new, uh, brand new um, location there in in Aspen and, you know, Mm. potentially might be looking elsewhere in the Valley. So that, you know, those, they have a, they have a presence. Um, I think the community banking um, options here in the Valley are just really so strong. Um, And I always believe the, your community bankers and those kind of locally run organizations um, really do resonate um, well with our small town customer ba- uh, population and customer base. So, um, you know, if it's if it's trying to chase like a five million dollar mortgage loan on a second home in Aspen, I think, yeah, those you know Chase coming to town is gonna is is gonna um, you know play a play a factor for sure. But I think for our core community. Um, I, you know, I don't know that 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 um, that becomes a big of a factor in my mind. Well, and you're banking for our workforce, you know. So again, you know, back to the connections of, you know, when people come to you and they talk about loans, they talk about mortgages. Those directly impact our our workforce and our communities um, here in the valley. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, and the, you know the. I guess the, the only thing I would highlight, and this isn't this isn't necessarily unique to to First Bank, although we're big players in it. But I think all the community banks are really active in affordable housing development financing. So if you do, if there are deed restricted projects, um, we love being involved in supporting those. Um, you hear you sometimes hear a term LIHTC, which is low income housing tax credit projects, and there was one in Carbondale. Um, that went live a year ago, and, and those are it's a, it's a sophisticated, unique skill set. Understanding those transactions and um, yeah, absolutely. Us, us and and other community banks are very involved in doing those. So um, we love having a seat at the table anytime there's a discussion about workforce housing because it impacts us directly and it impacts our, our customers. It impacts us, you know, with one degree of separation. So. Um, it's a Absolutely. fun, fun space for us to be a, be a part of. Well, so let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. Like if, if someone out there is listening to this in, in the podcast land um, and, and they want to do a, an affordable housing project, um, you know, how can they get a hold of you guys? Who, who do they call? Who do they talk to, you know, uh, to go over those details and, and work with you guys? Uh, you know, good, good question. I mean, we have a team of nine um, bank officers up here in the Valley that um, are all generalists with experience and everything from home equity loans, mortgage lending to, you know, workforce housing development and, and other large commercial transactions. So, um, you know, I can pass along a, a number of uh, pieces of information, but I can always be reached directly. Um, okay. if, at my email or, or direct number and we can get the right folks involved and I, I can get all that information to you unless I should should I give it to you here on while we're live uh you know what we'll put it in the show notes so they can okay. reach they can reach out to you guys I think that like I I, I want to thank you guys I, I want to kind of go ahead and wrap this up I know you're busy and got to get out there and 
take care of your people and help the community. But I want to thank you guys for, you know, everything that you have been doing and are continuing to doing, you know, whether it's, like we said, whether it's helping the people to, you know, provide the funding to build the housing, to do these, to build a business, to do these projects all the way through to, you know, Amber and, and Dave and you guys to providing these great jobs and these great opportunities uh, for the people and for the workforce in our Valley. So um, I, I would just say, you know, if you keep up the good work and, and anyone, anyone who is listening to this, if you want to get a hold of Amber, you know, to talk about a career possibly in banking, you know, getting into that and, and figuring out how that may fit into your lifestyle and your life plan. And, you know, talk to Dave about, you know, how banking fits into, into working with our communities and, and propelling our communities forward. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. So, well, thanks. And thanks, Mike. We have, uh, I think all dialogue is good. And thanks to you and, and CoVenture for, for uh, carrying on the conversation and letting us be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for doing this. And, and to everyone out there in podcast land, thanks for uh, listening. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you know, we'll have some notes down there in the show notes. Uh, reach out to us. You know, this is a big topic. We're, we're just scratching the surface here. And, uh, you know, there are no, there are no wrong answers. So let's keep this conversation going, everybody. And uh, Dave, Amber, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. CoVenture is a nonprofit based in Carbondale, Colorado. We're on a mission to empower rural communities to build sustainable businesses and ecosystems through tactical solutions and engagement. Find us online at coventure.io. Please contact us if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities.